Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. Uh, Revelations chapter number 12 this evening. I want to start with verse number 5 pick up where we left off last week and we'll see if we'll be able uh, to finish here this evening with this chapter the Bible states these words in Revelations 12 verse 5 and she brought forth a man child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne and the woman fled into the wilderness where she hath a place prepared of God that they should feed her there a thousand two hundred and three score days. Uh, We have been dealing here with the book of Revelation now for several, several weeks. And uh, this is part 11b, and we are continuing with our subject, the cast of characters. Amen. We'll ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, I need you, Jesus, this evening. God, I pray, Lord, open our minds and understanding. God, bring all thoughts, Lord, into subjection to the will of your Spirit tonight. God, grant us enlightenment, Lord Jesus, God, for this book of Revelation. Lord, let there be unveiling, God, of truth, Lord, in this place. I pray, oh, Lord Jesus, grasp our attention. God, I pray, Lord, this evening. God, for all your words, profitable, Lord Jesus, reproof and doctrine, Lord Jesus. I pray, God, let it be so in this place. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen, everybody, amen. Everybody say amen. Amen, you may be seated. We've already dealt with two from this cast of characters that we met in Revelation 12. There are four main characters, a woman, a dragon, child and an angel last week we already touched on uh, the woman and the dragon uh, in particular which the bible said were wonders or signs and so tonight we'll delve into them yet a little bit again and also touch on the child and the angel in a natural sense it's kind of peculiar but in a natural sense uh, the same vessel by which mankind fell Uh, The transgression we say of Adam and Eve, although Eve was the first in the transgression, the Bible says, in the natural sense, that the same way or means by which the vessel by which mankind fell would also be uh, by which the Redeemer of mankind would come forth by a woman. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, the Bible said, And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression notwithstanding she shall be saved in childbearing if they continue in the faith and charity and holiness with sobriety. Now we must remember tonight that uh, what we have been given here are wonders. We have been given a symbolism. We have been given signs according to Revelations uh, 12 and verse number 1 and verse number 3. It spoke of the woman as a wonder or a sign. She signified something. She stood or represented something likewise with the dragon it stood for or represented something the woman uh, stood for Israel as we deduce from last week the nation of Israel this woman that was to bring forth the man child uh, which is Jesus Christ the man child the man child or the male son as it is 
here in the scripture. In the Greek language, it indicates him as being singular in number. So there again, we cannot interpret him as anything else than who and what he is, and that is Christ Jesus. He is a male, and uh, he is singular in number. Some speculate that perhaps this man-child represented the church, but it cannot be so. Again, it's male in gender, whereas the church is normally seen as female in gender, and in the Greek, it's singular in number. Amen. And so this, this, this is not the church, but this is Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, the additional information, the additional information about this man-child is that he is to rule, the Bible says, all nations with a rod of iron. And that correlates very well with the man Christ Jesus. Some of the uh, following verses that we're going to go to here this evening in Revelation 19, this verse here is set in the context. It's talking about one who is called the Word of God the one that has on his vesture, his thigh, king of kings and lord of lords. Undoubtedly, I believe we know who this is speaking of. This is speaking of Christ Jesus. And in this it says, and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword that which that with it he should smite the nations and he shall rule. Speaking of this word of God or the king of kings, lord of lords, Christ Jesus, he shall rule them with a rod of iron. Psalms chapter number 2 which is somewhat of a messianic song. It's a song about the reigning of the Son of God. If you were to read it in its entirety, you would see some things that are describing uh, episodes of the last days. But among the verses of Psalms 2 is verse number 9. Again, speaking of Christ Jesus, that thou shalt break them, speaking of all nations, with a rod of iron. And so that would be the plight uh, of this man-child or his uh, uh, job description. He would rule with a rod of iron when he would come. Uh, the, the, the reason why there are some that speculate that this child is the church is because the phrase in verse number 5 where it speaks about her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Some take that as meaning that this is the church that is being raptured. But again, again, I stress and emphasize that the church is normally painted as a female in gender and not a male. Whenever we're talking about this in the subject matter of Jesus Christ, uh, her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. No doubt that's speaking of the consideration of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ after he had died, buried, and resurrected in 40 days after his passion, then was resurrected up into the heavenlies. And so this evening, based upon uh, the information that is given to us here in verse number 5, and then in the very next verse, verse number 6, it appears, and we're we're not unaccustomed to this, but between verse number 5, it's speaking about a woman bringing forth a man-child, he's ruling on nations, uh, uh, he heard, child was going to be caught up into God into his throne and then it skips to be talking about this woman that is fleeing to the wilderness to a place that's been prepared for her where she's going to be nourished for 1260 days and so what what happens between verse 5 and verse 6 is something that we're not unaccustomed to is that we have 
a time gap, as it were, would seem. Because we have a lot of talking about the child coming, but then we have about this woman that's fleeing uh, into the wilderness for 1,260 days. So we have a time gap. We have seen this before in our study in the book of Daniel. Uh, chapter number 9, the last four verses had within it a time gap. Amen. Between the time that Messiah was cut off and the start of the tribulation, as we would know it, that final week of Daniel of seven years. Amen. Uh, Daniel didn't seem in his book to take into account the church age, the age that we're living in right now. It seemed like a mystery. Uh, the church was a mystery seemingly in the Old Testament under the law. But when we get in the New Testament, more importantly, under the dispensation of grace, uh, it becomes revealed and it becomes more clear. And so the time frame between uh, verse number 5 and verse number 6 of Revelation 12 is that same time frame, that time frame, if you will, of the church age. Amen. We're left with Christ's ascension here in verses 5 and 6, but nothing is spoken of His Spirit coming back on the day of Pentecost, and nothing is spoken of the rapture of the church. Whenever it picks back up in verse number 6, it picks back up around the beginning of the great tribulation that lasts 1,260 days, 42 months, three and a half years, however you wish to describe it, whenever Israel who is depicted here in Revelation 12 as the woman will flee to a prepared place where she will be nourished. Now, I'm jumping a little round here in Revelation 12 tonight. Uh, I would like to go just a little bit more forward and look at some of the verses in Revelation 12 that deal with the woman that gives us a little bit more details about Israel fleeing. And then I'd like to back, back up and look at some of the verses that we're skipping over that speak about the dragon, if you don't mind. Okay, thank you. Revelation 12 and verse number 13, the Bible says, And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth. Now listen, somebody's already saying, we've already covered this. But just hold on to your, your reins, all right? Put, put your steed at stay here for a moment. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Amen. So whenever I talk about the dragon, the dragon that was cast into the earth, that is what the verses we are skipping over talk about uh, from verses 7 to verses 12. He persecuted the woman which brought forth the man-child. Verse 14, And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness into her place here it is that prepared place where she is nourished or fed as the other verse of scripture says for a time and times and half a time which we understand to be three and a half years we have seen this time and time again from the face of the serpent what is being spoken of here is this although Israel the Israelites are going through, through a great time of persecution and that there will be some of them that fall by the wayside. Many in Israel will no doubt perish. Uh, the Bible, though, writes something very clear that Israel as a nation will be preserved. Although there may be some fallout concerning Israelites, individuals in particular, the nation of Israel will be preserved. The Bible says in Jeremiah 30 and verse 7, Alas, for that day is great, so that none is like it. 
It is even the time of Jacob's, may I interpose there, as I did, Israel's trouble. Jacob also named Israel. And trouble, which was great tribulation. When we talk about Jacob's trouble, we're talking about that last half of the, uh, the, the seven-year period of time, the last week of Daniel. That's great tribulation. But he, he, the Bible says, shall be saved out of it or Jacob will be or Israel the nation of Israel will be saved out of it now I want you to know the the pronoun there he it uses the pronoun he there a masculine pronoun because in this context in this setting in verse it's referring back to Jacob as a male individual although he's spoken as Israel as well as a nation Uh, as an individual Jacob was a male individual but a representation of him being Israel he's denoted in the female gender as a nation so as a person male as what he represents a nation female all right and the Bible says and she he referring back to Jacob or if you will Israel because his name was also Israel shall be saved or to be safe or defended or get the victory out of it it's saying Israel the nation of Israel will be saved during this time or defended during this time of great trouble or great tribulation and so we looked last week quite quite extensively amen through a few throughout the Bible actually we took a little survey of the Bible really that Israel throughout the ages have been persecuted by Satan The nation of Israel throughout the ages have been persecuted by Satan. Remember, we went through a long list of how uh, the enemy maybe tried to prevent the birth of the man-child and even after he was born, wanted to devour the man-child and that Israel, even through certain circumstances of captivities and such had been very very heavily uh, attacked against by the enemy and so we went through all the through all the heartache that satan tried to go through in order to do away with israel in one way or another but during the time of great tribulation there will be a increased amount of persecution remember the pains of the woman is getting closer and closer together more intense and so it's going to be increased persecution that Israel may be exposed to but God says I'm going to save her defend her matter of fact in Revelation 12 here she's going to have a place the nation of Israel will have a place a man to flee to now the Bible mentions in Revelations 12 verse 6 and also in verse 14 that Israel or the woman will flee or fly. You can read both of those verses. The, 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 the verbiage is very similar. She will flee or fly to the wilderness to a prepared place by God where she'll be nourished or fed there during the great tribulation. In other words, Israel, the nation to be guarded from the face of the enemy, all right, or saved from the face of the enemy during the time of great tribulation. Let's look at verse number 14, if you will. And to the woman were given two wings of a great eagle. Were given two wings of a great eagle that evidently aided her in flying to the wilderness. Now, this is not the only time that God gave the nation of Israel, his people, eagle's wings in order to aid in their deliverance. All right? 
uh, in Exodus 19, verse 4, it says, Ye have seen what I did unto the Egyptians, and how I bear you on, this is God speaking to his people, and how I bear you on eagles' wings and brought you unto myself. He's saying, whenever you were in Egypt, I brought you out, I bore you on eagle's wings that I, I, I helped you I protected you I delivered you when Israelites left Egypt a matter of fact the Bible speaks of it as being the angel of God the angel of God was instrumental in helping Israel flee from the Egyptian bondage that they had been known in insomuch that whenever they got to the Red Sea you remember that the angel of God the Bible speaks provided darkness to the Egyptians that were pursuing them but light unto the Israelites in the same token providing light providing deliverance providing a safe place if you will a protection against the Egyptians that were pursuing them in nature let's just look at it through a natural eye in nature an eagle when training a youngster a young eaglet to fly it will push it out of the nest but whenever it does so it will also fly with it and catches it to bear it upwards anytime that it may deem it necessary or needed because it's all mama's always looking after her youngins Amen. And so God says, I'll give you eagle's wings. I know you're seems like you're floundering out here by yourself, but I'm not at a far distance from you that I can't bear you up. Now, what bears the question is this. Are these eagle's wings, are they figurative? Is it just speaking about the haste? Because we've seen that uh, through prophetic scripture too. Wings speaking of the haste or how quickly movement. Is it just speaking of the haste that Israel will have whenever it flees? Or do they denote, listen, some special or particular aid of the United States? Let me tell you, I guess time will tell. I can't, I mean, you want a definitive on that? Listen to somebody besides me and they're telling you whatever they think is definitive. All right, time will tell. But we see this same correlation of Israel fleeing, Israel going to the wilderness, to the mountains, if you will, as it were in the book of Matthew as well. Matthew 24, that big end time uh, chapter in Matthew. In verse 15, it says, uh, when ye therefore shall see the abomination of desolation. We spoke of that. That's when the Antichrist goes into the temple that's rebuilt, professes himself to be God, stops the offerings, he stops the sacrifice. That's the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, which Daniel did speak of it. Stand ye in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand. Verse 16, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. And then verse 21, for then, shall, for then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. So this fleeing to the mountains all takes place after the Antichrist has come in, stopped all of this, 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 this peace treaty that he had going on, stops that, stops the sacrifice, stops what's going on in the temple, and then we have a mass exodus, if you will, the Jews fleeing to the mountains or the wilderness, and great tribulation ensues after that. Now, there's some that believe that there will be a specified place because it talks about a prepared place for Israel, a specified place for Israel to hide rather than taking it as a representation of just their safety. 
During their years, I don't know how well you can see that. It's not the greatest, pardon me. But during the years, it's just a hard time even finding something along this line. So during the years, whenever Israel was fleeing from Egypt in Egyptian bondage, they wandered in the wilderness of the south. I don't have their whole track up here because people didn't always draw it the same, okay? And I wasn't going to just add confusion to confusion. But whenever Israel was on their trek from Egypt, they came up along this direction. Amen. Or just south. You can't read that. That says Salt Sea or if you will, Dead Sea. They traveled up south along that region. That was part of their wandering area during their years of wandering. And it was even during those years that God cared for and protected Israel whenever they left Egyptian bondage. Now, there's something I want you to consider that we looked at in Daniel chapter 11 back when we did our study on Daniel 11 and verse 41. The Bible says he, that's speaking of the Antichrist, if we can refresh our minds, shall enter also into the glorious land, which we know to be Palestine or Jerusalem, and many countries shall be overthrown, but these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom, Moab and the chief of the children of Ammon. Now, if we go back to our poor map here, you will see Edom, Moab, and Ammon all along this corridor here. Edom, which was normally south of the Dead Sea region, he said, "Where the Antichrist comes, he's going to overthrow all, but not Edom, not not Moab, and not." Ammon, they would not be overthrown. Edom was a part of that wilderness of wandering for the children of Israel whenever they left Egypt. And it is known today, and I have it right above there in green, it's a little bigger. It is known today, Bozra right there is the ancient capital of Edom. It is known today as Petra. It's known today as Petra. Now Petra is nothing more but a massive limestone city built inside huge rock cliffs and the entrance that's the entrance you're looking at is very constricted very constricted entrance whenever you get in there and past that narrow constriction that i think they say takes about a mile to get back through there is a city inside of all of these rocks now i'm going to go to to dear frunchtenbaum of the footsteps of the messiah that's just a neat name to say and we're going to see what he has to say uh about this and you might not be able to read that and i don't know why that happened amen but nevertheless formatting amen petra he says is located in a basin without within Mount Seir because Edom the wilderness of Edom was also known as Mount Seir amen and so there you get both it's spoken of as a wilderness they'll flee to the wilderness or flee to the mountains because it's the wilderness of Edom but it was also Mount Seir it took both of those names recognized by both of those names and it's totally surrounded by mountains and cliffs the only way in and out of the city is through a narrow passageway which I just showed you that extends for about a mile can only be negotiated by foot or by horseback this makes the city easy to defend and its surrounding high cliffs give added meaning confirmation to Isaiah 33 16 you can look that up the name Bozrah which is the ancient capital of Edom means sheepfold an ancient sheepfold had a narrow entrance so that the shepherd could count his sheep once inside the fold the sheep had more room to move around Petra is shaped like a giant sheepfold with its narrow passage opening to a spacious circle surrounded by cliffs amen so i'm not saying this is it but i'm saying this is a possibility 
of being it. Insomuch that in Jeremiah 49.22, the Lord speaking along these lines, he says, Behold, here we see a marrying of the eagle's wings along with this location. He says, Behold, he shall come up and fly as the eagle and spread his wings over Bozrah, or Petra, if you will, modern-day Petra, and at that day shall the heart of the mighty men of Edom, we've got Edom in here, be as the heart of a woman in her pains. He says, I'm going to come up as an eagle would fly, and I'm going to put my wings. What happens when a bird puts its wings over an area or place? It's for protection. Amen. And Scripture said they're going to go to the wilderness. They're going to be, it's a prepared place. They're going to be nourished there. Amen. She's going to be saved out of uh, some of this uh, destruction, the nation of Israel. So here it is, folks. Whichever it is, whatever it is, wherever it is, pardon for all the W's, but they will flee of their own accord or perhaps with the aid of the United States. Time will tell concerning that. Or God will take them himself and hide them how long we do know that for 1260 days time times and a half a time amen all being the same period of time amen so Petra that city that rock city that's enclosed like a sheepfold again it's just a possibility amen this evening Revelations 12 verse 15 that we can now back Amen. Back around and go forward just a little bit here for a moment Revelations 12 verse 15 the Bible says the serpent the serpent that's going after the nation of Israel cast out of his mouth water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood. And the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. And the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the question is tonight, is this flood that comes out of the mouth of the dragon, is it a literal flood or is it a figurative flood? I don't know which for sure it is. But if, it, if it's going to be a literal flood, then there's no question in my mind about the ability of the earth being able to open up and swallow it. Because we know from the Old Testament, the earth opened up and swallowed a bunch of people. Kor and those that rebelled against Moses, it swallowed up at, at the command of God to swallow a bunch of people. So that's quite possible if it were to happen in a literal sense. For that matter, I guess as many earthquakes we've seen already in the book of Revelation, an earthquake could happen at the right time and swallow up, amen, water for that matter. However, if the flood is or may be symbolic as other things in this chapter, a good majority of this chapter has been, uh, then it may just represent some of the falsity and some of the deception of the last days and the dragon being the origin or place from which all that is spewing forth. Because the Bible tells us, again, if we're talking about flood and symbolism, remember the scripture of Isaiah 59, 19, so shall they fear the name of the Lord. This, what this is talking about, this is a dismal time uh, of Israel walking in darkness it says so they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west his glory from the rising of the sun when the enemy shall come in like a flood the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him regardless tonight folks regardless the enemy is going to be the Bible says very wroth with the woman very wroth with the nation of Israel wouldn't you be mad if you tried to take her out all these times and was unsuccessful huh you know that it, it's like, you know, 
practice makes perfect and he's never reaching it you know, he's been trying since the, the very beginning of time to take care of business with the man child and with the woman Israel but he's constantly constantly being thwarted and it's being deterred so he's indignant he's mad he's upset at the woman and the remnant of her seed why because all along the journey Israel and this still bears it right now today Israel is a blessed nation uh, other nations and countries that raise their hand against Israel need to be turned over the knee and slapped. Israel's a blessed nation. It was spoken to Abraham from the very beginning that yes, he was going to give him land, but remember the blessing as well in Genesis 12, 2 and 3. He says, and I will make of these, telling Abraham, get out of your land, out of your country. Amen, I'm going to take you on a journey. He says, I will make of thee a great nation. He's speaking of the nation of Israel. And I will bless thee and I will make thy name great and thou shalt be a blessing and I will bless them that bless thee curse him that curse thee and these shall all the families of the earth be blessed well if you're trying to curse the nation of Israel you're going to be unsuccessful you'll be cursed yourself amen but those that try to help and bless will be blessed Israel is a blessed nation whenever it says pray for the safety and the peace of Jerusalem Israel you better take that to the bank if I may, uh, within probably the past year in my uh, uh, listening to preaching addiction, I listened to a message called I Am Not an Egyptian, I Am an Israelite by Mark Copeland. And he had some factoids that he threw out concerning Israel that I wish to share that just prove, uh, amen, how blessed it is as a nation because God's hand, his wings, as it were, is upon the nation of Israel. Israel is the only country in the history of the world that revived a dead language that had not been spoken over a thousand years. Usually when a language dies, it dies. There is no resurrection. There is no coming back. But their language had died, had been dead for about a thousand years, had not been spoken, and it came back to life. Israel is the only country in history that has more Nobel Peace Prizes per capita than any other country on the face of the world. Now remember, she just got her nationality nation in 1948. She's a young country. She's only 60, what, 5, 66 years old. She's a young country, yet she has more Nobel Peace Prizes per capita than any other country in the entire world. We're talking about countries otherwise that have histories that go back thousands of years. And hers is not even a hundred years. How can that happen? Because she's blessed. She's blessed. She's received more of these type of awards in real numbers than China, Mexico, and Spain, which some of those have histories that go back thousands of years, but Israel's trumping them. Why? Because she's a blessed nation. Now, in the 21st century, there's this big major push for the planting of trees. Let's go green. Let's, let's revive and reboost our environment and do so. Well, Israel answered the call. They planted more trees in the 21st century than any other nation on the face of the earth. But the exciting thing is the place where they are growing these trees is in what is mostly desert areas. How do you do that? Because Israel's blessed their land is blessed. She's a blessed nation. Prior to her forming of a nation again in 1948, Israel had been a very, listen to me, it was a very desolate land. Amen. Very desolate, very barren land. But listen to me. They, 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 they've done studies on this and facts that the moment that 
the Israelites got to step their feet back up on their motherland. They said agriculture began to bloom and blossom once again whenever its people began to tread the ground of their mother country again. Why? Because Israel as a nation is blessed by God. I think they are. Israel is number three in scientific research in the world and number two in medical research in the world. Yet again, her existence is very, very young in comparison to other nations. They produce more scientific papers per capita than any other nation in the world by a large margin. It leads the world in patents for medical science and medical technology. This little, this little spot in the world called Israel, probably comparable around the size of New Jersey. Uh-huh. All of this, she's, she's got the world by the tail. Why? Because as a nation, the people of Israel, the Jews, are a blessed people by God. They told Abraham, and God has not failed in keeping his promise. Israel has more NASDAQ-listed companies than any other country in the world except the United States of America. Now, you want to compare apples to apples. Israel and the United States, you look at that and think, man, what's the deal? We have quite a, dub, over double the history they do as far as being a nation, yet they have such success with these successful companies. Israel is the only country whose, whose original native people population returned after 2,000 years of forced exile and gained control of their country again. There's no other group of people that's been said, get out of here and 2,000 later, years later could come back to their land and say, it's ours. But the nation of Israel has been able to because they're blessed by God. In the 1940s after World War II, uh, these people came out of concentration camps, the Holocaust. Oh, they went through terrible time of tribulation and, and persecution. They gathered in little hamlets in New York City. Listen to me now. Whenever they got there, after all everything they'd been through in concentration camps, they only had the clothes that was on their back. They were skinny. Their, their bellies were swollen, though, from malnutrition, lack of nourishment. They had lice. They were infested with disease of every kind. But just within a few decades, they were controlling the baking systems of New York City. Come from ground nothing and flourish. How does that happen? Whenever the wings of an eagle. Uh-huh. Folks, he did that. I'm, I'm diverting here for a moment, okay? He did that for a nation called Israel. But I've already spoke before that you and I are, are and since a spiritual Israel, according to Romans 11, we've been grafted in. We've been grafted into the branch. Has anybody ever had skin grafting done? Everybody, anybody ever had an organ placed in your body? No? From my understanding, what they say is whenever you have skin grafting done or organ placed in the body, when they go back and check that, what they start to look for is this. They start to see that the blood vessels of the body compared to the blood vessels of what was domed or the skin that was moved, that the blood vessels start matching up and they start using the blood vessels flowing through the domed organ should be the blood vessels of the body and blood then that's what they're looking for for that blood to start flowing through the domed piece you and I were grafted into the body and all that we need is for the blood and those vessels to start matching up and let the course and blood of him flow through that which has been grafted into the branch Amen. So when we consider this, look, look at the qualities of the remnant of her seed. They will keep, this is what the Bible says, the remnant of her seed will keep the commandments of God. Great. That's what Israel needs to be doing. 
and they will have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, there, there, there's ideas out there and I'm just throwing out there for consideration. Some believe that they will keep the commandments of God. Some believe that that may be referring to the Orthodox Jews, those that are rigid, the Orthodox old school Jews, and that they will have a testimony of Jesus Christ referring to the Jews who will accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah. If that's the case, I don't know. But the two things remain sure. They must be keeping the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. Now, allow me here in the next few moments to back up. We went forward let's put it in reverse and back up and let's go back and talk a little bit more about the dragon a little bit and the angel michael if you will revelations 12 verse 7 and there was war in heaven michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought and his angels and prevailed not neither was their place found anymore in heaven and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan, Grandma McGee would say Slewfoot, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. Now that whole scenario right there is very close. The involvement of Michael right here fighting against the dragon is very close. The mirror is very close. Daniel chapter 12 and verse number one where the Bible says at that time shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, which was never since the, there was a nation, even to the same time. At that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. It mirrors very closely. In Revelation 12, Michael goes to war against the, the, the dragon and his angels. In, in Daniel 12, he stands up. He's the great prince that stands for the children, for the children of thy people. That is Daniel's people. That is the Jews. That is the Israelites. So Michael is involved in both of these passages of Scripture. And he is usually associated with the Jews. He's usually associated with the people of Israel, the nation of Israel and he's usually associated with war and conflict if you see Michael the, the archangel being spoken of in, in scripture look around because there's probably some type of war or some type of conflict taking place that's where he shows up and Daniel says there shall be a time of trouble which was never which such as never was since there was a nation even to the same time in other words that's a very good description of the great tribulation and that's what we're speaking about in revelation chapter number 12 as well furthermore in revelations 12 and verse 12 look the bible says there's rejoicing in heavens because the dragon has been cast down and so heaven's happy about it there's rejoicing in heaven but there's woe on the earth and sea now heaven rejoices because Satan's been expulsed from heaven and the heavens. But woe is on the earth because now Satan has come down with great wrath and now the only place he can exercise his great wrath, the only place he can be an accuser, the only place that he can be a slanderer is now upon the earth and upon the sea. Whereas before, in the very beginning, he was cast out of heaven but still had access to heaven. Now he's cast out of heaven and the heavens, can I underscore, the air and don't have access to either. All that he has access now to is the earth. Hey man, look at it right there. Therefore rejoice ye heavens and ye that dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. What's that say? 
And of the sea, that, that exclamation point at this distance almost looked like a nail. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. What I'm saying is this. Evidently, at this time, this time of this beginning of great tribulation, Satan will no longer be afforded any type of access to heaven whatsoever. When he was cast out from the beginning, he still had access. Remember, whenever the sons of God would come before the Lord in the book of Job, Satan came also among them. He had access. That couldn't be his habitation, couldn't be his home, but he had access. Well, now, from this day forward, not only, not only is he cast out, but he doesn't have any access anymore. He's not allowed entrance anymore at all. Not only that, he's been cast out of heaven and the heavens the air, remember, he's the prince and the power of the air. There's going to be war in heaven between the devil and between Michael, the archangel. What I'm talking about right here is not something, the casting out that correlates with the very beginning of time. This is the casting out of heaven that happens right at the time of the great tribulation where every bit of access to the air, the heavens, and heaven is absolutely removed. Not only is he banished, not only is it not his habitation place, but he can have no longer any type of entrance in there at all. Look what the Bible says. It says uh, in verse number in verse number it says neither was their place found anymore in heaven there was no there was no place for him at all in heaven anymore and what that alludes to tonight is this the phrase anymore or might I say no longer that phrase anymore leads to the idea that before now he had access but not anymore neither was their place found anymore in heaven he had access it wasn't his dwelling place Amen, because he was banished from the very beginning. But he did have access to come and go here and there as he desired. Amen, as he did with Job. And so that takes us to Revelations 12, 10. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, this has happened. He's been cast down. Heaven's rejoicing and the earth is in great woe, the inhabitants of the earth. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, this is what heaven has to say about what happened. Now is come salvation mm -hmm. and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. I want you to know, that all he, though he was cast out in the beginning, he went at will to heaven and accused you and I and is doing it before the throne and room of God day after day after day. But whenever great tribulation time comes, he's cast out, has no access, accusations are over. He can't do that in the heavenlies anymore. Amen. And so heaven is rejoicing. There's a loud voice up there. He's cast down to the earth. Throughout the ages, he's been accusing the brethren day in and day night continuously. And all of this harmonizes with the beginning of the great tribulation. Now listen, there is no wonder then why the great tribulation is going to be worse than any other time in the history of mankind. Because Satan has no other place to go but upon the earth. No other place to go and pull his antics except upon the earth. His place of power in the air, no longer. Roll prince and power of the air, no longer. Amen. Now it is upon the earth. So there's no wonder there's going to be heartache unlike ever before. Look at verse number 9 concerning the dragon. And I'm running, I really am. I'm running toward a close. We'll get there.
Pardon me? We're going. I just stopped him for a drink. If anybody else needs to get one, there's a water fountain out there. But I need one. Verse number nine. And the great dragon, again, the devil, Satan, and it gives us all the descriptions here, was cast out, that old serpent, called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him, the dragon. You know, whenever you consider these different things by which he is described, you get a little bit for his character, a little bit for his personality. The scripture here calls him the serpent. Remember back in Genesis 3 where we were introduced to the serpent, the Lord even spoke of it being a more subtle beast than any other creature. More subtle, more crafty, if you will, more cunning than any other creature of the field. Even Jesus, whenever he was admonishing his disciples to be harmless as doves, he gave the correlation, though, to be wise as serpents. And so we understand then uh, the enemy then must be crafty. He must be cunning. And there is, though, a certain element of wisdom with him, too. He's not stupid. He knows the Scripture sometimes better than some Christians. Amen. He's wise in certain respects. He's spoken as being the devil or Satan, which both of these words have been translated from the same word meaning slanderer. He is, in fact, a slanderer. Amen. Which also derives the throwing of accusations against. He is a, an accuser of you and I and it just comes right out doesn't paint no name on it and just says it that he deceives the whole world that has been his his scheme from the beginning and that that it's going to be his glorious scheme that he goes out with and as I oftentimes said you know man why doesn't he pull any new tool I'll tell you why because it works it's working for him amen we're gullible enough to fall into it again People were repetitive of being abused by his mass art of deception. Amen. And I'll close with this, and you can stand with me. I'll close with this. Verse number 12, look at it. So, well, heaven's rejoicing because he's cast out, no longer access. The earth, though, woe to them because now that's, that's his playground. Now for the next 1,260 days, 42 months, but the Bible says he's, he's having great wrath. He's come down to you having great wrath because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. The actual, the actual Greek rendering of the phrase, he knoweth. Greek, Greek words have uh, tenses just, just like a lot of languages do. It's in a perfect tense participle. They don't mean nothing to you. But what that means is this, is that it's that he's not just... Uh, he, he, where's my phrase again? He knoweth, not like it just came to him, but as though he has already known. That prior to even getting thrown down, it's not like he got thrown down, he's like, oh, now I have a short time. No. It's like he had a knowledge of the shortness of his time before he was ever cast down. I dare to say he has a knowledge of the shortness of his time even now. He already knows his time is short. And so what? All the stops are being pulled out. Even in our day, amen, and it's just going to intensify as it gets closer to that hour. But I don't plan on being here, amen, for that hour. I want to go home with Jesus, don't you? In a twinkling of an eye. I made my reservation for that mansion in the sky. 
Hey, man, I got my invitation for a place called, uh-huh, through the blessed blood of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Everybody say amen. Amen. Next week. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.